Gene Knight released a hit single, <clears throat> excuse me, in May of 1971 that spent five weeks at number one on the Billboard list. Some of you may remember the song. It became the most popular and recognizable song in 1971. The name of the song was Mr. Big Stuff. Some of you remember that. Here's a picture. Gene Knight's Mr. Big Stuff. That, by the way, that's a 45. You put a needle on it, you turn it around, music comes out. It's a miracle, yeah. And in the song, the song is told from a woman's perspective about an egotistical man nicknamed Mr. Big Stuff, known for his riches and his cars and his fancy clothes. And the lyrics say, Mr. Big Stuff, who do you think you are? You think you're higher than every star, but you're never going to get my love. Chapter 4 of Daniel could be entitled, Mr. Big Stuff. We're going through a sermon series in Daniel entitled, The Ancient of Days. And in this series, we're looking at how Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon went into Israel and captured Jerusalem and, and took four Hebrew young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and carried them to Babylon. But in Babylon, their faith was not compromised. They were following their storyline. Daniel chapter 1, they refused to eat the king's food, yet they still turned out better than everyone else. Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. No one could interpret it, but God gave Daniel the ability to interpret it. Chapter 3, last Sunday we saw that, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down to the image, and they did not burn. And then today in chapter 4, we see that God deals with Nebuchadnezzar with Mr. Big Stuff. Read with me, starting verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules the kingdoms of men and gives it to whom he will. And immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers. And his nails were like bird's claws." I want us to see the story of Nebuchadnezzar this morning and see what God has to teach us through this powerful lesson in chapter 4. First of all, letter A on your outline, Nebuchadnezzar dreams again. You may remember two chapters earlier, 
Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that disturbed him and he couldn't figure out what it was and no one could interpret it but God gave Daniel the ability and Daniel interpreted the dream it was to the king's demise. And now we go two more chapters and he has another dream that disturbs him. But this time in chapter 4 he tells us the story himself in first person. He said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house one night, and I was prospering in my palace, thinking that he was so great, thinking that it was he himself who had obtained all of this wonderful kingdom, the biggest and strongest kingdom in the world. He had done it himself. Folks, have you ever noticed sometimes that leaders really have this complex of all that I've accomplished? We see it in world leaders sometimes. We see it in leaders in businesses. We have a lot of leaders in our church. You're leaders in your areas, your respective areas of expertise. And sometimes we can get that way. Look what I've done. Look at what my ability has done. I'm a little smarter than everybody else. I've got a little more experience than everybody else. I'm just, I just do it a little different, but... I'm a little bit better. And we can become like Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, uh, Kim Jong-un, the, um, the leader of uh, North Korea, you'll see his picture there, he, his birthday was January the 8th, and they had a birthday party for him. And after the birthday party, or as it was happening, a storm rolled in, and lightning and thunder, and it was a really bad storm. And then the storm blew out during the party, and a beautiful rainbow appeared. And he goes, oh, even nature is celebrating who I am. Amazing how we can get like that. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was that way. And so he said, one night I was, I was in my house thinking of how wonderful I am. And, and I had a dream that disturbed me. It was alarming. I had a dream that made me afraid. I lay down and I had this vision appear and I didn't know what it meant. And so the Bible said Nebuchadnezzar brought in his magicians and his astrologers and the Chaldeans and the enchanters. And he said, can you tell me what my dream means? And none of them could. And so he said, I know there's one who can. Now listen to what he said. He said, Daniel, there's a Daniel in my kingdom. In verse 8, he said, he has the spirit of the gods in him. I know he can tell me my dream. The spirit of the gods is in him. Now he didn't know enough about the one true and holy God to say it's the God of Israel or Yahweh. He just knew there was something different about Nebuchadnezzar and here he was in the vast kingdom darkness worshiping other gods but yet there was one man whose faith in Yahweh alone stood out so much that the king noticed it and folks that's the way we should be there should be something different about you there should be something about different about you and about me that even in a dark culture that devalues God, devalues His Word, devalues Christ, there should be something about you and I that people say there's a difference there. There's a Spirit of God in you. Sometimes they don't even know we're Christians. 
they should know that. And they should see the Spirit of Christ in us. I love the story of Henry Stanley and David Livingstone, March of 1871. You probably read the story. Henry Stanley traveled to Zanzibar to find David Livingstone and join him in exploring Tanzania. There's their pictures. Henry Stanley on the right, he was an atheist, skeptic. And, and on the left, David Livingstone, who had a strong faith in Jesus Christ. Well, Stanley looked for him, and you know the old line, finally found him, Dr. Livingstone, I presume. And he spent four months with David Livingstone. At the end of four months, Stanley was a believer in Jesus. Four months. And he wrote about it in his book, How I Found Livingstone, written in 1913. And someone asked him, and he recounted in the book, someone asked him, what did David Livingstone say that convinced you to become a Christian? Listen to his response. He wrote, I, I don't think there was anything particular that he said. It's just that Livingstone was so thoroughly Christian that it became starkly obvious that I was not. Wow. We should be so obviously Christian that a dark world knows starkly obvious they're not. It was Daniel. So Nebuchadnezzar, bring Daniel in. I know that the Spirit of God is in him. He can tell me what my dream means. So he brought him in. And he said, Daniel, here was my dream. I laid down last night. And I saw a vision. And the vision was of a tree standing out in the middle of a field. And it started to grow and become stronger and greater and it grew high and grew higher and grew higher until finally the tree reached the heavens and everybody on the whole earth could see the tree. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit was abundant and all the beasts of the field would gather around in the shade of the tree and the birds would fly in and rest in the nests of the tree. This tree was so gorgeous and powerful. And then as I was laying there looking at the tree, I heard a voice. A voice came down out of the heavens. It was a watcher. And a watcher from the heavens came down and said, chop down the tree. Leave a stump. And take the stump and put a band around it, a band of iron and a band of bronze. And may on this stump, standing in the middle of the field, the dew of heaven cover it. And as it's in the midst of the field, may this stump be wet with dew. And may the position with the beast of the grass of the field, let its mind be changed from that of a man to that of a beast. And then the voice said, the decision of heaven has made it and it will happen. And then I woke up. Daniel, I'm disturbed. What did, what did that mean? Daniel, if there's anybody who can tell me, it's you. Because third time he said, you have the spirit of the gods in you. 
So we go to letter B in our story. Daniel interprets a dream again, verses 19 to 27. Two chapters ago, whenever, whenever Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and Daniel interpreted it, he wasn't disturbed by the dream. Okay, well, king, this is what it means. It's to your demise. But now, two chapters later, as soon as Nebuchadnezzar told Daniel the dream, Daniel became upset. He, he felt bad. The original Hebrew says he was dumbfounded, speechless, confused. The imperfect tense is used, which meant it happened over and over again. Folks, my question is, why would Daniel not be moved in the dream in chapter 2, but in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar's dream upset him so greatly? What changed? Well, some theologians say that Daniel was scared of what would happen when he told Nebuchadnezzar it wasn't good news for him. But no, that happened in chapter 2 as well. Here's what most theologians believe. It's been about 30 years now. Daniel's about 47 years old. He was 17. He's had 30 years with Nebuchadnezzar and he's grown fond of him. And now when he interprets the dream, he he realizes it's not good for Nebuchadnezzar and he feared for him. He's actually grown fond of the man he works for. Friends, you and I as believers, we're around a lot of lost people and there should be, there should be in us a developing of relationships with them where they get to know who we are and a compassion on our heart for them. And so Daniel said, oh, king, here's the, here's the interpretation. The tree. The tree you saw, you saw standing in the field that was so great and powerful and grew and grew and grew until all of its might that the whole world saw it. And it had beautiful leaves and abundant fruit and the beasts came and the birds came. King, that tree is you. And the field is your kingdom. God has made you the greatest in the world. And then the voice you heard, that's God. There's only one true God. You worship the Babylonian gods, but there's only one true God, the God of Israel, Yahweh. And that was the voice you heard that said, chop down the tree. So Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be cut down. And a band is going to be placed around you of iron and bronze. You're going to be bound. And, and the wet with dew and the, 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 the losing your mind of the beast, Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to go insane. You're going to lose your mind. And you're going to think you're an animal. And you're going to live out in the pasture for seven years. 
But the stump remains because God is not uprooting your kingdom from you. He's going to give it back. But He's going to humble you first. That's the dream. And listen to what he said next. And oh, by the way, King, here's my counsel to you. I counsel you to repent now before it happens. Nebuchadnezzar, repent of your sins. Start practicing righteousness. Stop oppressing people. And maybe, just maybe, the God of heaven will not do this to you. But that's my counsel. And you know, folks, that's the, count, the counsel for a lot of us this morning. Some of us need to stop what we're doing. Some of us need to stop on the road we're going. Repent of our sins. Start practicing righteousness. Stop oppressing other people. And maybe, just maybe, the God of mercy will be with you. Go to letter C on your outline, the Babylonian back 40, verses 28 to 33. Well, nothing happened for a month, two months, three months. Nebuchadnezzar began to think, well, that dream's not going to come true. That was a dream about my demise and nothing has happened. Four months, five months, six months, he forgot about the dream. One year went by. Nothing happened. And you may be in a moment of grace right now where God is giving you opportunity to repent. He gave him a year. But he didn't. So after one year, Nebuchadnezzar, once again telling in first person the story, said, here's what happened. One night, I was out walking on the roof of my palace. It was a gorgeous palace. And I looked out over my kingdom. I looked out over Babylon. And I thought, wow, this is awesome. Look what I have done. Look at this great Babylon that I have developed. It's beautiful. I have developed it for my glory and my power and my majesty. Notice the I and the me and the my's in those statements. By the way, you can talk to some people. Notice how many I's and me's and my's they use. There are a lot of people around us who live very self-centered lives. Maybe some of you. Most theologians believe he was looking out over what was called the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Here's a, one of the artist's depictions of it. In fact, that's not all. It goes on for acres and acres and acres. That's only a small portion of it. It surrounds it and goes on. And, and it was beautiful because it was developed by Nebuchadnezzar. His, one of his wives he, it was a, a princess from Mediah, where it was lush and green and trees and flowers. 
And Babylon wasn't like that. It was, it was dusty and hot and rocky. And so she said, I miss my homeland. And so she asked Nebuchadnezzar to build her some gardens. So it's beautiful again, like her, her home back in Madiah. And so he did, and he built gardens. Now, it was the very first time that people built gardens, was what's recorded, very first time that people built gardens for pleasure. They always built gardens for food, for sustenance, necessity. Nobody built a garden for pleasure to look at. Nebuchadnezzar did. And the hanging gardens of Babylon were not just flowers. It was magnificent. There were, there were plants and there was architecture and there were sculptures and terraces that he built and, and, and buildings and water features, meticulously landscape. For acres upon acres, painted walls depicting images, 49 separate buildings were built, 17 religious temples built. The beautiful gate of Ishtar was a part of the, of the hanging gardens of Babylon. It's gorgeous. Some people say, well, we don't have any archaeological evidence that they ever existed. And that is true, there's not. But even as far as the Hellenistic days, they knew of them. And so he was looking at probably all this beautiful kingdom he has built. The Bible said while he's saying the phrases, my kingdom, my power, my glory, as he said it, the words in his mouth, boom, he lost his mind. Went insane. Became psychotic. Jumped down on all fours thought he was a cow went out to the pastures and started eating grass he became wet with dew every morning stayed wet all day fingernails began to grow hair began to grow like the eagles of a fe feathers of an eagle he lost his mind 1795, William Blake painted a picture of what he thought it might have looked like. Look at this. Look at the terror on his face. The claws. Seven years he wandered like this out in the pasture. Actually, this is a, um, it's a medical condition that still exists today. It's called boantrophy, bovine, anthropos, man, beast, man, cow. Carl Jung, the psychologist, definitely not a believer, uh, he did a lot of extensive research into boantrophy. Some people, it's very rare, but some people still have this psychotic condition. They start getting all fours. They eat grass. They live out in the, in, in the pasture, sleep in cow stalls at night. It begins, Carl Jung says, with dreams and delusions. And then you begin to hallucinate, and the skin condition develops. You have anxiety and depression, and you get out on all fours. And even at times it's been documented, your fingernails have grown, and your hair begins to resemble that of an animal. Back in 2013, the pharmaceutical journal wrote an article about boantrophy. And it stated Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon as its most famous case. 
seven years, he's wandering around on all fours eating grass. Can you imagine? He's the most powerful man in the world. Can you imagine what all the nations and kingdoms are saying? Did you hear what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? He lost his mind. I know. So sad. Where is he now? He's out in a pasture. He thinks he's a cow. Tradition says that he thought he, was a, he had mooing sounds. The Persian tradition says that he would request people would kill him and eat him like an animal. They never did. But he wanted them to. Did you hear? I know. It's so, what's, what's becoming his kingdom? Well, it's still there, but he's, he's out. God banished him to the back 40. Seven years. Letter D on your outline, Nebuchadnezzar finally acknowledges the Lord. Again, he begins to write in first person. At the end of the days of seven seasons, he said, the God of heaven restored my mind. And the God of heaven, at the end of those days, I lifted my eyes up and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the most high God and I praised him and I honored him. And I said, Lord, your, your dominion is everlasting and your kingdom endures. We on earth are nothing and, and everything you do is right. No one can question you. And then whenever my mind returned, he said, so did my kingdom. The stump was not removed. And my kingdom and all of its glory came back and my servants came back and my officials came back and my greatness was even greater. And now he said this day, I praise and extol Yahweh, the only God of heaven, because he is well worthy and well capable of humbling those who do not humble themselves. That's all he said. Oh, so Nebuchadnezzar got saved, right? No. Wait, wait a minute, Pastor. He, he acknowledged God. He, he lifted up and he, his eyes and he praised God. He acknowledged him. He saved. No. How do we know that? Well, if you read Daniel carefully, Daniel chapter 4, earlier, because he's writing in first person, I believe that's the reason it was written in first person. He is still referring to his Babylonian gods. Even called Daniel Belshazzar. The Babylon name. Which was named after his god Bel. So he still has his Babylonian gods. He's just adding Yahweh to the mix. That's not salvation. Salvation is giving up all other gods. Giving up your own life. And saying, Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus Christ is the only way I can do it. And so that is salvation. It's not adding God to your life. It's giving up your life. And giving it to Him. We have a lot of people today, some in the church, they think all you have to do is believe in God. You're going to heaven. No, no. No. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Some people, well, I believe in God. It takes more than that. You have to believe in God so much you give up your life and give your life to Him through Christ. That's salvation. 
Not just looking up saying, yep, I know there's a higher power up there. So this morning, you have to not just add him to your life. You have to give up your life. Or you haven't been saved. Nebuchadnezzar wasn't either. Some of you have, have been to Milan, Italy, beautiful city of about a million people. You'll see that's uh, some of the sights of Milan, beautiful city. A lot of things you can do in Milan if you're there, but one thing you can't do is you cannot go to the zoo. You know why? They closed it permanently. It was one of the best ones in Europe. It was there 60 years, and, and more than 6 million people came through it. But it's not there anymore. It's closed for good, they said. You know why? Because several years ago, animal rights activists protested outside there and said it's, it's inhumane to keep animals in enclosures. They're meant to run free. And it's inhumane to do that. You must let them go. So the city officials of Milan agreed. Closed the zoo, got rid of all the animals, and the zoo's vacant. Something interesting happened, though. After all the animals left, the homeless population of Milan moved in. They have shelters over them. They can shut the gate. They can be safe. They can shut their enclosures. So the animals are gone, and people now live there. Strange sight, a zoo filled with people, not animals. And then there became complaints across the city of Milan. It's just disturbing when we drive by the zoo and we see people living like animals. I agree. Nebuchadnezzar was like that. And so were some of you. Bound in your own enclosures, pride, and self-fulfillment, self-centeredness, caged by your own desires, bound. It's disturbing to see because God never intended you to live like that. He intended you to live free, unbound. And only Christ can set you free. So this morning, get out of the cages. Don't stay bound. Give your life totally to Christ. Turn self over to Him. And let Him set you free. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you today for this story of Nebuchadnezzar. Teach us through it, Lord. Father, I pray that we too will acknowledge the God of heaven, but not just acknowledge you. I pray that we will acknowledge you are the only way and we give up our lives and give up all other gods. 
to follow you. I pray for those, Father, across our congregation, those watching my live stream, God, who are in enclosures, they're bound, they're caged animals, caged by their own selfish desires, and they can't get free. Lord, today may, may today be the day they turn everything over to you. You free them and make them free in Christ. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.